Today, Pastor Daniel will encourage you through this message of freedom in Jesus. In this story, you'll hear about people in bondage. There is a happy ending, though. One of a son that makes you free. God's grace is greater than the law. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part three of his message entitled, Jesus is Greater Than the Law. like Ishmael because it was not the work of promise the work of the spirit instead it was the work of the flesh that we believe that God accepts us because we do these things right and because we do them right God really loves us and because I read my Bible every day last week I'm really spiritual don't get me wrong reading your Bible is good except when you're trying to read your Bible to make God love you But everything we do is not motivated by, I do this so God will love me. Everything we do is motivated by the fact that God already loves me. And I do these things because I am the beloved, not so that I become the beloved. And that is the crux of the argument. And just as Abraham has two sons, guess what? We have two sets of offspring as well. We have a legalistic version of fruit from our lives. And we have a spirit-filled, promise-laden version. Now, Paul says something totally interesting here. Because notice that he says, Jerusalem, which now is, and it is in bondage with her children, verse 26, but the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. See, Paul is going to differentiate between the earthly Jerusalem, which is the center of Judaism, and the heavenly Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, which we're going to see in a second, which is the mother of us all. And then Paul quotes a verse. And this verse that he quotes is from Isaiah chapter 54. He says, rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth and shout, you who are not in labor, for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now, I don't know about you, when you read that, that's a really crazy, it's crazy talk. Because I've walked through with many families where maybe a husband and a wife come together and they're unable to conceive a child and all of the sadness that comes with that and all the prayers and all of the struggles that come along with that. But then you read this verse, rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. Now I realize that nobody, everybody's happy that they're not in labor, 
But the idea is, is that break forth and shout when you are unable to conceive. Why? For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. The person who's barren has many more children than the person who can conceive children? What? What does this mean? See, think about what he's saying. Now, in context, Isaiah 54 actually speaks about the children of Israel returning from Babylonian exile. And really what he's saying is that the first generation, they went to Babylonian exile, but they're going to come back, and although they were desolate, they're going to be more fruitful. So now Paul is looping in pre-exilic Judaism and post-exilic Judaism. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. It's just a side point. But what's the difference between the Judaism before the Babylonian exile and the Judaism after the Babylonian exile? What's the difference? In post-exilic Judaism, the latter glory was greater than the former glory because Jesus came. The fulfillment of all God's promises in the second temple was greater than the more glorious first temple designed by David, built by Solomon, because the Messiah came to be the fulfillment of it. And Paul's saying, look, it's the same idea. The reason you could rejoice if you are barren is because although you are barren for a season, the Messiah is going to come and his fulfillment is going to be more fruitful than having children in your own time period. He's saying, he's saying, listen, Sarah was barren, Hagar was fertile, but the descendants of Sarah, infinitely, infinitely more fruitful. The work of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is way more fruitful than the works and the attempts of the work of the flesh. And Paul's going to develop this idea for us in chapter 5 and 6 in a really profound way, where we see these two things broken up, the works of the Spirit and the, or the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. So the first son, Ishmael, from a mother who was a slave, corresponding to the law given at Sinai, corresponding to Jerusalem. But look at the other son. I got another equation for you. Sarah equals Isaac equals Calvary equals spirit equals promise. Isn't this fun? My friends, this is the new covenant right here. Look at how it breaks down. It's beautiful. Unlike Hagar, who was a servant girl, now we have Sarah, who was the bride of Abraham's youth. We have Isaac, who is the son of promise. Listen to what it says. Verse 28 of Galatians 4. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. Wow. See, so Sarah is Abraham's wife. Isaac is the promised son. Now, this corresponds with Calvary. Now, why do I use Calvary and not the heavenly Jerusalem? You know why? This is important. Our entrance into the new Jerusalem is all about what God accomplished at Calvary. 
The cross, see, they call it Calvary, Golgotha, the place of the skull, that place where Jesus died. That is the entrance to the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, our eternal abode. That is why the cross stands at the centerpiece of biblical Christianity. And I get real nervous today because I have friends who grew up in the church, they love God's word, but they kind of don't love talking about the cross, like, oh, I feel uncomfortable with it because it's like divine child abuse. And no, listen, that is where the action is. At the cross, which gives way to an empty tomb. That's why the apostle Paul said, I determined to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul realized that the action is at the cross, which gives way to an empty tomb. All of our hopes and dreams of all of humanity is right there. And I'm going to be honest with you, I love preaching the cross. I love preaching the empty tomb. Why? Because it says, Daniel, you can't do anything better than what I've already done. It says, I've taken care of it. Now listen, Amy Carmichael, that great missionary, she wrote this little book called If. Great little book. On each page, there's one sentence. It's an if-then sentence. Powerful. And In that book, if there's one sentence that I'll never forget, I remember when I first read it, I was totally taken back by it. It says, if I love any place except the dust at the foot of Jesus' cross, then I know nothing of Calvary love. She's like, look, the action's at the cross, and if I find my home anywhere except where love and justice meets, where God took my sin and my shame upon his own son that I might take on his righteousness and a new life. If I love any place but there, then I don't even understand what went on there. Brothers and sisters, we need to find ourselves in Calvary, where Jesus died for great love and he rose again to free us. See, Sarah is the wife of promise. Isaac is the son of promise. And all of it points to the cross of Calvary, which is our entrance into the new Jerusalem. And all of that, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we have access to the Spirit of God. As the old statement of theology says, the Apostles' Creed, the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. See, when Jesus said, look, it's good that I go away, because when I go away, I'm going to send the Helper, and he's going to be with you forever. Because of Jesus' finished work at the cross and his resurrection from the grave, Jesus ascended and sent forth his spirit to dwell in us. And that makes us, like Isaac, children of promise and rightful heirs. So just as Abraham had a child of the flesh and a child of promise, a child of the spirit, you and I have the same type of fruit from our own lives. The fruit of legalism, bondage, or the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, and peace. But now, Paul takes this allegory, this analogy, and he turns it on his head. Because look what he does in verse 29. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Know what he says? He's like, look, this whole thing, Abraham, the two sons, he's like, just 
as I am being persecuted right now by the Judaizers and the legalizers, it was so back in the day. And he references Genesis chapter 21. He references it. I'm going to read to you Genesis 21. And we have this quote here. This is what it says. This is Genesis 21, verse 9. So the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. So they're having a weaning party for Isaac. But notice what happens. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, scoffing. Therefore, she said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing to Abraham's sight because of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. Listen to this. For in Isaac your seed shall be called. Yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. Now, think about this. Abraham and Sarah helped God and they got an Ishmael. But right as God fulfilled his promise and Isaac was born, the son of promise, right as Isaac was coming of age and was weaned, Ishmael started to persecute him. And Sarah gets upset. She's like, Abraham, you need to cast out Hagar and her son because he does not share in the inheritance of my son Isaac, the son of promise. And Abraham, he cares about Ishmael. It's his son. And he, it's this pleasing. And the Lord says, listen, no, listen to your wife. Submit to your wife. She's right. In Isaac... All the promises are found. But he says, but don't worry, I'm going to take care of Ishmael too because he's your son. See, this is kind of powerful. And literally, like, if you were to read the Quran, they believe that God chose Ishmael and rejected Isaac. But listen, 800 years after Jesus, you can't rewrite what was already written. You can't change it. That's called revisionist history. It never works. What is at stake here? Paul's saying, look, just as... Just as the son of bondage, the work of the flesh, persecuted the work of the spirit, that's exactly what's happening to me right now. And you have to realize, if you walk in newness of life with Jesus, there will always be legalistic strands of what we call Christianity who are going to push against that. Why? Because the work of the flesh is always the most nervous in the presence of the work of the supernatural spirit. I believe here at Crossroads, we believe in grace, not works. And we get hit for it a lot from the outside. People say, oh, you know, like we had it on Facebook recently. Someone's like, man, that pastor needs to get a haircut. So we put up a funny picture of me with a baldy, you know what I mean? Just to freak everybody out, you know? But listen... Seriously, God's really looking at all of our outsides, right? He's saying, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I like that. Like, oh, yeah, that, he could be my son. He looks so put together. Is, is that the gospel? Someone's getting in based on their 
hair or lack of hair. See, because we believe in grace apart from works, because we don't believe in we have to worship on this day and we have to do it this way and you have to get baptized this way and because I don't believe that at a wedding I'm going to dress, I'm going I'm to talk down on a woman because she's going to listen to her husband. People say, oh man, that's, that's not real Christianity. Yes, no, listen, the legalistic version isn't real. It's not real. And the legalistic versions of Christianity always wants to fight against the supernatural work of the Spirit because works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit are antithetical to one another. That's a good word. Write it down. Tell your friends. They exist in polar opposite ends of the spectrum. And brothers and sisters, I realize that in each one of our lives, many of us have legalistic tendencies. Like, no one of the ones that plays out a lot, especially in a church like Crossroads, because we're an intergenerational church. We have people who are older, and we have people who are younger. You know, and one of the ways that it works out is that the, some of the times the older folks don't like the way the younger folks dress. Right? Like, I had a Pastor Brandon. Someone went up to Pastor Brandon and said, I'll give you 50 bucks if you buy new pants. Now, listen, if that was you, you got to repent. I told Pastor Brandon, I'm like, did you take the money? He's like, no. I'm like, you should have. It's syntax. (laughs) No, listen. In every generation, people don't like the way the kids dress. In every generation. I mean, listen, there was a time some of you gals used to wear skirts with poodles on them. Why would you want a dog on your skirt? I mean... But when those poodle skirts came out, all the moms and grandmas were like, oh, I can't believe they would wear that. Like, you could see their ankles. And then, of course, it gave ways to the hippies. And you know I dig the hippies, you know what I mean? But who knows what you guys were thinking? You're putting bones in your hair. I don't know what that was all about, you know what I mean? And then, of course, that wasn't good enough. So then you had to get into, like, the polyester shirts and pants with the big, fat collars. And all the parents, what is wrong with the kids? And the, and, and the guys would keep the shirt open with the Gumby gold and the hair. <laughs> and then, of course, the 80s happened. Because if you could have hair going down, you needed to go up and out. Really great for the ozone layer. Thank you very much. And now, listen, I, I don't get the guys in the skinny jeans things. I mean, I mean, come on. <laughs> but you know what? That's going to come and go too. And there was a time when everyone was wearing their pants and it was like, down, like, it's a preference. And listen, every generation doesn't like the way the other generation dresses. Like, I mean, just do yourself a favor. You don't believe me? Go back and look at your yearbook pictures. Just go do it for you, not anyone else. Just look at yours. There was a time when you had, I mean, Pastor Bill, he used to have an afro and a big beard. I've been trying to get him to grow that thing back ever since. Next, we see Pastor Bill be like, Pastor Bill, grow that beard out, man. I need help. Come on. There's strength in numbers. But listen, we got to be careful with our preferences and making them gospel. We got to be careful with that kind of stuff. People are like, oh, yeah, we were really worshiping when there wasn't guitars on stage. Listen, if you're worrying about the instruments, then you're missing the point of worship. Worship has nothing to do with instruments. 
It has nothing to do with the age of the people on stage. It has to do with the rock of all ages, God who is infinitely worthy. And if you have an organ, you have an electric guitar, you have drums, you have no music and it's a cappella, God is infinitely worthy to be worshipped. It doesn't really matter. All of that stuff is nothing because worship is about the true and living God. It's preferences. And for too many of us, we think that our preferences are gospel. But guess what? Your preferences change, so do mine. As you get older, your preferences change. But the gospel never changes. And the fact that God saves us by sheer grace solely because of Jesus, that never changes. And listen, what I want to tell you about people who are going to pick the nits, the legalistic folks who say, oh, you've got to be this way, and I can't believe you wear jeans, and this and that. Listen, you know what Paul said? Cast them out. Hold them at an arm's length. Don't let people's legalisms change you from being free in Jesus. Do you know what happens if someone picks at you long enough and hard enough? You start to try and accommodate them. But it's not the gospel. And how many of you, I believe there's a lot of you in here right now, you have rejected Christianity because along the way, someone slammed some legal stuff at you without saying, no, no, just come to Jesus as you are. And God's going to do a work. He's going to do a work. Now, look at how this closes. It's beautiful. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. So we end simply be free. Be free. That's what this is all about. It's about we are either in bondage to rule keeping or we are free in Jesus. And God designed you and I to be free. Listen to what Jesus says. He has the same discussion with the Pharisees in John chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be what? Free indeed. You see what happens? See, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees just the way Paul is talking to the churches in Galatia, and he's saying, listen, the truth will make you free. And they're like, well, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to everybody. Now, don't miss the fact that's not true. They had been in bondage to the Egyptians, to the Babylonians, to the Assyrians, to the Greeks. When Jesus was walking around, they were in bondage to the Romans, and they were in bondage to the law. And Jesus said, listen, no, no. If you're sin, if you sin, you're a slave to your sin. But he said, but whom the Son sets free is free indeed. See, And there it is right there, my friends. And this is the perfect place to end this whole long argument about why God's grace apart from works of law is so important. Because he says, listen, if you try and do it yourself, you're in bondage to trying to free yourself. But if you let the Son set you free, then you are free indeed. And that is the difference between religion and the good news of Jesus Christ. In religion, 
You do what you do to try and free yourself. And the good news of Jesus is that the Son has set you free and you are free indeed. Jesus is Thanks for joining us today for this edition of Jesus is Real Radio. We're so blessed by what God is doing through Jesus is Real Radio. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us. For anyone who wants to help further the gospel here on Jesus is Real Radio, with a gift of $20 or more, we will send you a personalized copy of Pastor Daniel's book, Honestly. I'll be back in a moment to tell you how you can receive your personalized copy. But first, here's Pastor Daniel with more about this special book offer. Thanks, Josh. Honestly, is a book I wrote to help people deal with the messiness of life. I mean, we all know it. Life throws us curveballs all the time. We never know what's coming next. But honestly comes from what I've discovered out of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, how you can manage your life through the lens of your relationship with Jesus. It's some powerful stuff, and I've been blessed as many people have told me how the book has helped them on their spiritual journey. I'm confident that honestly will be a blessing to you as you walk with Jesus, and I'll be personalizing each and every copy for the Jesus is Real radio listeners who partner with us this month. Here's Josh with some more information. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive your very own personalized copy of Honestly, simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. Then you can securely make your donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping. Remember, by partnering with us this month with your gift, You'll not only receive this great resource, you'll also be enabling Jesus is Real Radio to be heard on this station and many more. That's all the time we have for today. Join us next time for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Jesus is Real Radio.